You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Sophia Alexandra. And it's time for Tokyo, baby. Konnichiwa, motherfuckers. That's right. We're so excited to bring you this. We did not do a good job of learning the language. We did konnichiwa and arigato, but actually arigato has a whole second part that we never mastered. (laughs) While we were there, people were feeling sorry for us with our two (laughs) words. They were like, please don't even try those. You're mangling our language and you only know two words. They were kind of offended by our just arigato. Arigato, I think by itself is just kind of rude. Um, But you guys, this was an epic trip. This was a bucket list trip to begin with. And I got to say, it exceeded all of my wildest expectations. I agree. It was totally something that I didn't know what to expect, but everything that happened was more than I could have expected. And I had so much fun. And Courtney, did we not break our curse? Oh, we broke our curse. Okay, you guys, we can't tell you too much right now. Uh, And you are going to, it's a trust. It is worth the wait. But by the end of our Japan series, you are going to understand why we did not get in a fight on the last day. (laughs) Because normally on the last day, shit gets crazy, okay? Sophia and I, by the time we get to the airport, things are not good, okay? There's a big rift. (laughs) We end up fighting. We don't know why. We've even done it after alcohol, which you would have thought. It would help. We had a couple of margaritas in us. We'd be fine. No. No, you would be wrong. So honestly, this was a, a great trip and a first for many things for us. One, the first non-fighting end, but also, you know, some really fun uh, experiences with sex work that we're going to talk about as we get later on into the series. Maybe, just maybe, you guys might get a happy ending at the end of this thing. We'll see. We don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's wild in Tokyo, okay? So here's another interesting thing about our trip. Our flight left like February 5th and we got back on the 12th. So is that right? Yeah. So if you guys want to rewind like six weeks in your mind, the coronavirus was just a figment (laughs) of reality, right? It was just this small thing that was happening in China. Sophie and I had a conversation where we were like, is this is this a thing that's going to affect our trip? And we thought, no, we're going to still go. I brought masks. My mom made me and I brought wipes. Did we use them? We had hand sanitizer. Yes. And the hand sanitizer. Yes. The masks. No, we did not. But we didn't use them diligently. We didn't use them like I'm washing my hands right now. (laughs) We used them like pre like we didn't fucking know what was around the corner. That's what we were like. We used them like it's a flu season. Used them. We weren't like this is a pandemic, used them. We, air quotes, used them, okay? We didn't really. Well, I used sanitizer way more than you did. Whatever. But you (laughs) pride yourself on being like a hearty Minnesotan. You're like, I don't need no stinking sanitizer. I like to build up my immune system so that the next thing that rolls around, we're nice and and hearty, you know? You're a healthcare professional. All of that makes the most sense. (laughs) 
Uh, not here to dispense uh, medical advice, you guys. But I will say, nobody's reading about Japan's stats going off the charts with coronavirus. And you know why I think that is? Because every motherfucker that we saw in the subway, whatever, they had masks on. They were not fucking around. They were acting like they were all contagious. And I truly respect that. Now I'm like, we should have been over there in masks. Anyway, this is not the corona show. But it is interesting that we went right before. This Should I get rid of the puppet I made, Mr. Corona? <laughs> Mr. Corona. Is he not, not going to be welcome as the third sidekick? I just want you to know Mr. Corona has a theme song. <laughs> I should not be allowed around, <laughs> around pandemics. Um, so, yeah. So, what were your first impressions of Tokyo? Um, so, I think uh, the thing that... I remember first is how orderly people waiting for the train were mm-hmm. and like how on the ground there's like little divisions between you stand in this line for this and in this line for that and that um, how efficient people that we asked for help were in terms of where they were stationed and stuff because like sure in America you can ask someone at the metro where to go who's like you know, works there. But here there were special people stationed where you could ask them questions specifically and other people to monitor people getting tickets and stuff. So it was just so well divided and well put together that I was like, wow, already having a way better experience, you know, riding public uh, transportation than I've had. Yeah, I just think all the things that other countries put in place that don't necessarily work, like an information desk or whatever, actually work in Japan. And there is such a clear uh, structure to everything. And even like there were medical carts in the customs area and everything was like perfect. They all looked exactly the same. Everything was organized on the cart exactly the same. Um, Oh, one thing that before we uh, got on the plane that I thought Courtney was going to die over is they weigh you with your luggage. Oh, my God. Like you hold the luggage (laughs) and stand on the scale and they weigh both of you, you and the luggage. They don't like say Courtney 150 and the luggage 20. 150. (laughs) I was going to say Courtney's going to yell about me saying 150. I was just saying a number, Courtney. Calm down. Also, whatever. I've weighed more than that and will again. Uh, And uh, it was weird because we didn't understand them. I kept getting off or putting my luggage on or vice versa. And they were like, no, no, both of you. I know. I tried to negotiate. I was like, okay, but do you really need me on there? I can just set this guy down. (laughs) I was like, even though there was a language barrier, I was still trying to negotiate until I just realized it was fruitless. And I just hopped on there and looked away. Looked away. It's, it's really funny because they also don't tell you what the magic number is, you know? Oh, yeah. They're not like, oh, you and the luggage can't be over whatever. They're just like, there's a mystery number. Worry about it. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're going for a total, like the total capacity. It's just Well, like- but then who are they going to ask to get rid of stuff? I don't know. They're probably Their shit just notes. works. I mean, have you ever been weighed to get on a flight in the U.S.? No, we don't care. We're like, maybe this fucker is going to go down. We don't know. <laughs> we'll just get on there. We'll see if it's too heavy in the air. <laughs> I mean, I think all we do is make people check baggage. That's yeah. it. You know, at the end, they're just like, oh, we don't have enough room for the baggage. 
But honestly, I'm not in charge of Japan. I'm not in charge of anything. But I want to say that we were super impressed by the way that everything ran. And then one of the things I missed the most, and this was something that I got at the end of the trip, but I've been dreaming about, are these tiny little square sandwiches that you get in a little sleeve. Mm. And it's like a little variety pack. It's like a little egg salad one, a little tiny ham one. And it's got a little jelly one, not oh, PB, I just never, jelly. I didn't have those. Oh, it was so cute. I got two and I gave one to our friend, Archer, which brings us back to the beginning. Oh my God, you guys. So we met some amazing dudes in Tokyo. We ran into these guys. They had like a Laker jacket on, very cool style. And I was like, Sophia, are those dudes from LA? And we'd literally just gotten to Tokyo. And I was like, oh yeah, Laker Nation. And then they heard that and turned to us and we're like, LA? And then they came over and they were like, where are you from? We're like, LA. They're like, no, you're not. Where? And we were like, Highland Park and, uh, you know, Venice area. And we're like, where are you from? And they're like, South Central. And then we started talking to them being like, what are you doing here? Turns out they are Archer One, who is the head designer of Nipsey Hussle's Marathon Clothing Company. Yes. And uh, his friend, Eddie Baker, who's a rapper. Eddie Baker, who've been watching my Instagram stories. What up, Eddie Baker? (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, the third guy is this fresh, young, I'm not young. He's like, yeah, he's young. He's a designer, though. He's like doing his own shit, and it's called Savvy Section 8, and it's it looks Savvy with two Vs. Check it out. So they took an IG story with us as we're getting off the subway, and we wanted to meet up with these dudes again. But we're like, we got Tokyo shit to do in Tokyo, right? We can't necessarily be hanging with our new LA peeps. But on the second day, we interviewed two really cool people. I I think we hit the the jackpot with our first interview, right, Sophie? Yeah, and they're such a really cute, odd duck combo of friends. They do have the most charming relationship. It's really, really sweet. And they've known each other for a while now. And uh, Joe, if you want to picture him while you're listening, has this big, unruly mop of curls. And uh, Yuki is just this gorgeous angel with like a low throaty voice, as you'll hear. And together, they're such cute friends. They're so cute. Yeah, Joe kind of has some Weird Al Yankovic hair going on. (laughs) Weird Al kind of vibes. Yeah, yeah. More like I'd say Sideshow Bob kind of hair. Oh, yeah. The hair is really, the hair is key to his look. It should have its own episode, truly. (laughs) We'll try to get his hair back for an episode. We'll see what we can do. It's too big for us, Courtney. It's going to big time us. I know it. (laughs) Okay, so you guys, we have Joe and Yuki. We met up with them on what is our second night right across from our hotel at this cool little tiny, tiny bar. By tiny, we mean I I think it fits maybe eight people, ten. Yeah, which we're going to learn is a thing in Japanese culture. And it actually informs a lot of why they have these different businesses. And you know what? Honestly, it's better that you hear it from Joe and Yuki. But you guys, we hope you love this episode. This whole series means a lot to us. And stay in touch. Let us know what you think. And here is Joe and Yuki. Oh, my God. You guys, we have 
been waiting with bated breath to really dig into this conversation. But first, let's get your intros. We're here with Joe McReynolds, a subculture researcher at KO University. And I'm Yuki Uzume. Okay, I will introduce myself in Japanese. So he yeah. introduced to me. Okay. Okay. Watashiwa Yuki Uzume this. Yep. So this is Yuki, uh, also goes by Uzume. Uzume wa so Yuzume, Yuzume is the name of the uh or Uzume is the name of the of uh, the first uh, stripper in Japanese history. Yeah. <laughs> So it's a, it's a story from prior to the birth of Christ. So Yuki is working as a sex worker, as a model, as a columnist for an underground newsletter. Uh, Thank you for translating me. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's yeah. it. <laughs> so yeah, Yuki does a lot of things. Um, she is what you all in Los Angeles would call a multi-hyphenate. Um, multi-hyphenate. Yes, yeah. we can relate to that. Yes. Yeah, so Yuki is a wonderful person and a dear friend who I met through a gathering of the underground newsletter that she writes a column for. And I, given you know the topics tonight, I thought Yuki would have a ton of input and, yeah, and interesting you. thoughts to offer. Thank so. you saying so. <laughs> Well, we're so glad you brought her. Can we just dig in? Do you want to start with your story? Okay. Yeah. So she was saying on the way in that she started when she was 14 yeah. in sex work. And so we would love to know a little bit about your kind of trajectory, how you got into it. And also what kind of sex work you do. Because yeah. one of the things we've learned is that there's so many different levels of sex ah, work yeah, in right. Japan. There, there so are we, many, many kinds of that. Yeah. So we kind of want to know yeah. how uh, the gradations work and all of that. So, ジュサンサイから始まったの。ジュサンサイ、ジュヨンサイ。あ、ジュヨンサイ、ジュヨンサイから始まった。うん。あ、それでその時から今まであの一般的にてあのユミさんの あ、ゆきさんのものがってで、あの、じゃあ一番最初は、ま、日本では18歳以下では法律ではまずそもそもセックスワーカーが禁止されています。はい、オッケー。いや、そう、イッツ、オブコースイッツ、フォーベディント
I never experienced gangbang always one, more than 100 times always saying that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Since 17. <laughs> wow. So you're saying you've been saying it's your first gangbang <laughs> since always, you were 17. More, more than 100 times always. I never experienced well, how people gathering even illegal. <laughs> yeah, over his past, it's okay. That's incredible. I love the marketing aspect of it. Okay, so this was, you were underage, so this was, you were 17. Yeah, I was. Was that through the Dei Saito or was, was no, that? No, always that official website. Official, but Hihoteki, Dana? Ah, Illegal, it's, right? It's, it's, gray, it's, zone. gray zone. Really? 17 is a gray zone. Yeah, and, because oh. after graduate high school oh. age, Oh, so it's it's about whether you've graduated high school, not about uh, about exactly. The no, age? Oh. there's no. What's the age of okay. consent in Japan? Eighteen, I thought, but um, eighteen is official statement. But yeah. after graduate high school, it's okay. So yeah. okay, some huh. students is graduated from sixteen. It's okay. I didn't know that. I, I know that Japan was uh, pressured for a while because. The age of consent for outside of sex work, like the, just the the age of consent out in in society, for a while was set at thirteen. And what? under the law, well, a lot of countries, including like European countries, I think, previously had much lower ages of consent. I think American states too. Some American states um, have weirdly low ages of. That's consent. definitely true, and I believe France and stuff has lower ages of yeah. consent. But it's just so I think Japan has increased it over time. Don't quote me on that because I'm not I'm not sure if that's totally accurate, but that's as I as best I remember it. What got you first interested in sex work? Oh, it's difficult question for me. Sam had a tattoo who has a SpongeBob. When I took him panty, then it's appearing the bob. <laughs> <laughs> a wow. bob appears, appears. So you took off someone's pants and you saw a SpongeBob tattoo. Yeah, Okay, then you that is okay, that is the right answer. Okay. Okay, so it was seeing the SpongeBob so seeing the SpongeBob tattoo when you pulled down yes, the dude's yes, yes, yes. shorts, um, I cannot stop laughing at that time. So this oh this job is not scary for me at that time. <laughs> He's Japanese also anyway. <laughs> oh, okay, so that but why did you first try it? Uh, uh but how come? Yeah, just for money. Yeah. Very simple. Yeah. What was your family's? Uh, yeah, never against about my job. They know about my job also anyway. Okay. And they're cool with it? Yeah, include everything. Was it a financial necessity in your family? Oh, yeah. Of course, I always send, send the money to my family because I have no father. So that's why I... At first, the reason is my father is gone. Then I have no choice because I, I just only diploma is junior high. So this is one reason started my job. How old were you when your father passed away? As Hatin. 13? Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, all, everything fast and I can make future by myself. I never give in and also give up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you were f 14 and you were getting into it, how did you know what to do? Who did you go to? How did you get started? Uh, who did I? Right, just only Sam. 
だから SNS とか。Yeah, like social media? Social media. Just only updating my picture and get my clients always marrying, text me. How much, how much, how much? Even still right now. Did you have anybody that you could ask questions that you knew that was doing sex work that you could say, oh, how much do I charge? Or always, what do I do? Always, always、yeah. ask me. So I can, I always change. Sorry, I'm very honest, you girl. Always change price, depends on. So, yeah. How bad you want to do it? Right now, I cannot make price because this is difficult. I will explain in Japanese. In Japan, what's banned in Japan is like penetrative penis and vagina sex, is banned in, in Japan is for prostitution. Everything else you can, you, you can sell as a service, but,、um, but that is banned. But of course, it's still very widespread as part of the、uh, sex work. Wait, so, wait, sorry, repeat that. えっと、今21歳ぐらいまでからはセックスでお金を稼いでたけれどそれ以外のテクニックでスマタとかガンシャとか、うん、メイカープログレッセンスガールズエクスペリエンスビーズジャパニーズガールでなんかお金をもらうようになってからそれからは実はセックスでお金を稼いでません。I don't know our money with sex since 21. 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21
gender equality mm. here and what that kind of status is because it seems like it seems like men are kind of only accepting of a certain kind of woman and that they're scared of you know, ah, strong women. Of, is that yeah. the case? I mean, I think it's very tricky to generalize about the men of an entire country. Sure. Um, but I will say there's huge generational divides when oh. it comes to um, like how gender gender roles and gender dynamics in relationships in Japan, and and you actually see that if you if you look at at not only sex work, but um, I guess I'm not sure what the term would be intimacy work, like work that doesn't involve selling sex, but in, involves selling the illusion of intimacy, like host and hostess clubs and things mm -hmm. like that. You see totally different uh, everything basically depending on what generation it's aimed at. And that's kind of reflecting dramatic changes in Japanese society uh, over over generations. Okay, I would love for you to speak to the generational differences a little bit. And in addition to how it impacts sex specifically, can you compare it to the US yeah, as I far as know. how many women have high level jobs? And do you know what I mean? Yeah, okay, so if we're talking gender equality um, in Japan more generally, mm -hmm. um, gender equality in Japan is not great. I mean, it's not great in the US either, but it's it's a whole different level of not great in, yeah, in Japan. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, like pay equality um, advancement in, uh, I, I, I had a friend who worked in a, a high level finance job here and like in the middle of a meeting, uh, like a senior vice president of the bank asked her what color her underwear was that day, like in the middle of the meeting. it's And she was like the mm -hmm. one female analyst in, in the analyst division when all the other women were on like secretarial tracks. And so, yeah, in corporate Japan, it can still be kind of a madmen uh, kind of atmosphere. Obviously, that totally varies, though, depending on whether you're talking like old school Japanese conglomerates and things like that versus... Yeah. Or know, thinking creative, right. yeah, versus like a uh, you know younger cr creative class job. So so what type of office environment? You're, there's a huge range. So that's that's what I'm saying. Is is definitely there's a whole story to be told there, but it's there's not just sort of one story. There's you know multiple Japans, just as there are kind of multiple Americas in this regard. To piggyback off of that is one of the things that we've been reading about is that. Fewer people are getting married in Japan and having sex and having babies than ever before. Yeah, this yeah. So if it Fear. is truly just generational, then the country in on the whole wouldn't be dying, right? Because one right. of the things that we were hearing about a little bit is that maybe, and I don't know if this is true, obviously, this is one man's perception, okay, cool. is that um, there's like a, a feeling about Japanese women before you marry them and then when you marry them and have kids with them it's like suddenly oh it's like i don't want to do to mo the mother of my children what i would have done to just the chick that i was having sex with who was my partner so then we were told that there's a lot of cheating and there's kind of a dichotomy in a madonna whore thing i mean definitely there is a ton of cheating in in japan but a decent share of japanese women 
we'll say that like if you're going with a sex worker, that's not necessarily cheating because there's no emotions attached to it. That's just something I've seen like in interviews and stuff. I've, I've seen people say, I think in terms of the question of low sex rates, low marriage rates, yeah. the sort of dying I country thing. Very, yeah. Mm. yeah, because my cra- I'm 25 right now. I have classmates, you know, but no, no one have marriage. Mm. Also no children. Also never experienced. Many, I have many friends who never experienced, you know, never had sex. Oh, really? At 25? Uh, mm. Even 25. Yeah. I have many friends. I know some friends. And also no classmates know have marriage. No one. This yeah. is proof. Well, I, I would say it's Are they scared of it? To... Why? Yeah, because they... My hometown is also Tokyo, also mm. brought up Tokyo. So many classmates think don't need a marriage, don't need to have sex, don't need to because more focus on more studying, more studying promotion and focus on about the... Dating, so dating is more important than sex because they can update Instagram, <laughs> right? Wait, I'm sorry. So dating doesn't involve sex? No, involve. Well, not involve. It can, but it doesn't have to. I guess. So wait. Yeah, you don't ha- have, but reality is not, they don't have sex. So is dating just spending time together? Yeah, just That's it. Because this, like this desire, desiring hotel with room service, just taking selfie. But my real friend had no sex with boyfriend. Oh my gosh. I I asked her, did you period? But she did. He never asked, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, this is my real proof my, about my friend. Though I, I will say, I will say if you look at the numbers, like the, the question of, you know, sex rates in Japan and like, you know, is the birth rate too low to sustain itself? Mm. I mean, the birth rate in America is also too low to sustain itself. Totally. If you totally. And in a lot of Europe, immigration, European it's immigration is, is what allows America to, to sustain itself. So in a country like Japan with no immigration, but if you, if you look at like reported sex rates uh, for young people in, in like specifically young people in Japan, young people in the U S I mean, there is a difference, but it's not like night and day, like we're fucking up a storm in America and no one's fucking here. It's, it's definitely, there's a difference, but it's, it's it's more like a matter of degrees. And I would say also in terms of people not marrying and pairing off, the, the economy is a huge thing. Like, it's, I mean, same thing back in the States, like the fact that like half of everyone I know is millennials and Gen Z is is so economically precarious. That makes it harder to like seriously pair up with someone. So that's... I think definitely a major factor here too. I mean, we're we're decades away from from the bubble, the economic bubble bursting in Japan, mm-hmm. and and so so if you if you don't have that solid financial base, it can be harder to to pair off. Hey, Sophia, uh, this is kind of awkward, but I've been spending a lot of time with someone new, and I just feel like I should tell you that I sort of have a new best friend. What? This is how I find out on our podcast? Who is it? I'm so sorry. Uh, it's actually, this is kind of awkward. It's one of our sponsors, Uberlube. 
oh my God, I'm not even mad because guess what? Secretly, this whole time, my best friend has also been Uber Lube. What? Uber Lube, the luxurious high-grade silicone lubricant? Yes, the same one that's made from clean, body-friendly ingredients, as you well know. It's just silicone with a little vitamin E and it feels so good on the skin. I can't believe we've both been masturbating to Uber Lube. Not just masturbating, Courtney. It's great for all kinds of play, vaginal, oral, anal, everything. Ooh, that's right. And Sophia, I got a hot tip for you. You can even use it to tame your hair frizzies. Okay, wait to subtweet me publicly like this. Hey, listen, I've used it on a little bit of chub rub I got on my thighs, no shame. And it's even good for massage. Uberlube is awesome for everyone. We want listeners of Private Parts Unknown to be slip sliding around with our new best friend, Uberlube. And they are offering listeners of this podcast 10% off and free shipping when you use our code PRIVATE at uberlube.com. That's 10% off and free shipping. I love free shipping. Just use code PRIVATE at U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E dot com. You know, we talked about equality. Is yeah, that some? Is that a part of the cultural conversation that people are talking about? You know, we have yeah. like women's well, marches. Is there and, like a Me Too yeah, conversation there's a, there's or a, huge, a sexism conversation going on? Like it's central right now in the United States. There, there is a big Me Too conversation in Japan, uh, centering around a woman who has a case against. I think just won the case actually. Um, surprisingly, uh, against a guy who's very well connected to Prime Minister Abe. She accused him of raping her, and it looks like she's winning some form of justice, uh, which is amazing and and really unexpected because in the in the Japanese legal system, powerful people tend to be mm-hmm. protected from consequences. So, I mean, it's definitely not as advanced of a discussion as the Me Too discussion in the U.S., but there is like a discussion happening. So, like. あの、セクハラに関してライクどんな、どんなセクハラ、ノーニケ、マイオピニオン。あ、あの、社会、社会的な傾向なんか、あの、セクハラスメントに対してはえ、もう常に日常へ溢れすぎてて、女性がセクハ
like gay, lesbian, bisexual. Because yeah. one of the things that I was wondering about is, and this is probably going to sound like I'm such a rube, but I'm bisexual and I can't ever tell if Japanese women are gay ever. Because and the haircut, the haircuts that would signal. Not and, even and haircuts. I don't ever catch vibes. Oh. So I don't know what I'm looking for. Well, well, the vibes are all, I mean, that's just, that's a question of sort of cultural attunement to catch the vibes. But that's what I'm saying. What yeah. are the vibes like? So I, I would say, I would say this. It depends on what scene you're in here. So like there's a there's by the way, there's a documentary coming out that everyone should watch called Queer Japan that's uh, specifically about uh, how queer culture plays out in Japan and even whether the concept of queer maps in a one-to-one -one way onto Japanese sexual and gender diversity. I would say it can vary even depending on the neighborhood. Like everyone who comes here who's queer knows about Shinjuku Nichome, which is the LGBT district that's uh, it's very internationalized. It's very recognizable as a gayborhood. Uh, but the oldest LGBT neighborhood in Tokyo is actually Asakusa, where there's the uh, Sensoji Temple. And it's kind of a, a more sort of traditional neighborhood. But in the surrounding streets all around the temple, there aren't rainbow flags out or anything, but there's dozens and dozens of queer spaces, gay bars, saunas, you name it, including Tokyo's premier furry bar actually is is in Asakusa. And you wouldn't know it walking around unless you were looking for it because it's done in a more sort of Tokyo-like fashion where things are kind of more introduction-based and low-key. So, And also Shinbashi is also... Yeah, Shinbashi also has yeah, mm -hmm. a, whole, a whole LGBT district. And also, I have an LGBT friend, colleague, FT male, mm -hmm. female to oh, trans. man, transgender. So she kept my money, same job. Then she kept money for surgery, you know, make a dick. Then she quit my job. She became man. Now he. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Ooh. Tell us about the trans situation in Japan. Okay, so have you guys heard about the Goldfinger incident last year? No. Okay, so this is um, a big deal, actually. And So uh, Goldfinger is the best-known lesbian bar in Tokyo. It's in uh, Shinjuku Nichome, the aforementioned uh, major uh, LGBT neighborhood. And Goldfinger is a women-only bar. And Ellen McCready... She's a trans woman who is a professor of philosophy here in in Tokyo, and she was refused entry into Goldfinger, uh, which then sparked a massive conversation about transphobia in the gay community in Tokyo specifically. And then Ellen went and started her own party series called Waifu Party, like Wife Waifu. Uh, that's trans inclusive and generally an awesome time. And I think the next one's coming up in a few days. So yeah, there's a whole kind of ongoing conversation. The The owner of Goldfinger apologized. Ellen accepted the apology. Some other people have said that they think the apology didn't go nearly far enough. Uh, there, But there's, there's this kind of ongoing conversation about how trans people fit into the queer fabric of Tokyo. And then is there also political or legislative aspect to that, you know, like with bathroom bans in the United States. Yeah. So it's interesting. There is 
massive support for gay marriage among the Japanese population. Just and it's changed a ton just in not that many years. Like if you look at uh, public opinion surveys, I think it's it's something between seventy and eighty percent support for uh, for gay marriage. But that's not going to move the the diet, the Japanese legislature to action. So it's an open question when gay marriage or recognition of gay relationships will happen in Japan. So Yuki is saying that that recently lesbian uh sex work like sex work by women for women yeah, is becoming uh, woman, a, is becoming woman, a right, sort woman. of a popular trend. Yeah also my friends use that. Really? Yeah, yeah very popular. So different areas of Tokyo actually recognize gay relationships differently. Tokyo is divided into wards and the wards are more like cities than neighborhoods really. Mm-hmm. Like they have a lot of legal powers. And so like Shibuya ward uh, recognizes uh, gay marriages. That doesn't necessarily do a whole lot for you, you know, because most rights and things are at the national level, but that's a thing where it's going almost section by section of Tokyo in recognizing gay relationships. And is is there a domino effect where you like see it catch, you know what I mean? I mean hopefully. Yeah. Okay. It hasn't happened really yet. I wish you it's slow slow going. Yeah, this is for lesbian. That's yeah. a friend of yours? Uh, my friend used that user. Oh she uses it. Yeah, this is every girl's works there who works there. And it's so you it's can, it's you can scroll girl for girl. Girl for girl. There's some major cuties on here. This is most popular popular shop in Japan. Is that based in Tokyo or is based that... in Tokyo? Okay. But Osaka has also franchise. Oh. Is that delivery health? Yeah, it's it's, it's out call service. Okay, out call service. Okay. Okay, so you just casually dropped while we were in the bar that you're about to do your first adult shoot. Yes, your your first uh, AV. Uh Planning to right now. Planning. Planning. Yeah. Planning? Tell us more about it. Is how to say kimpun? Oh, like the so Yuki has done uh, sort of. I'm not even sure if you would call it fetish photography, but wet kind of and me- it's called yeah, a wet, wet and, and messy. messy. Yeah, Hell where she was yeah. like covered in gold, covered in all gold. sorts of different. So uh, we saw the gold photos. They're yeah. really yeah. beautiful. So I won't explain that in detail. Yeah. That so like describe wet that. and messy, but like instead of covered in food or whatever, so covered the in kind gold. Of the, yeah. Then how to say gammen kijoi? <laughs> I don't know how to say gammen kijoi. How to press the guy's face with like that? <laughs> face sitting. Okay. Facing. I think face that's face sitting. Gold. With oh, and sitting with, on a dude's face. And so face sitting while right, yes. covered in gold, like paint gold. Yeah. So he he gets gold all over his face. Obviously, right. It sounds like that. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> what is the porn situation here, and what are the trends? So, it's interesting actually. If you compare American and Japanese porn, mm. um, porn tends to echo fault lines in a society and taboos in a society. Uh, So for example, American porn is super racialized because the primary fault lines of American society are race. Uh, In Japan, porn tends to play a lot with social roles. 
as as more more of a focus. very Japanese law is very strict, so I will study new SNS for Chinese oh. because Chinese law is very more mm. not strict. <laughs> so it, will that be for for AV? Or? AV, yeah. Okay. So I can I make it by myself AV like this because. There, there's oh, some... you make amateur porn by yourself? By myself. There's some... Uh... Yeah. And that's... Is that Twitter or...? No. Oh, what, what website is this? Swag. S-Work. Okay. Um, Swagger. So... Oh. From Taiwan. Oh, Taiwan. So, some context here. In most of East Asia, porn production is banned other than in Japan. And so, Japanese porn has kind of become uh, the... Porn of choice for a lot of of East Asia. Uh, when I was living in China, the grad students I was living with had a saying that translated roughly: uh, "Japan is 0.9 percent of the world's population and 90 percent of the world's perversion." Ha. And I don't I don't know if that's true, but that was kind of their view of it because they weren't getting a whole lot of homemade Chinese porn, other than like you know cell phone videos or whatever. They they were importing it all through the web uh, so a lot of japanese porn stars will have huge chinese fan bases because i mean also just the population disparity right. you know china is a much bigger market than yeah like uh, uh, singapore Japan. hong kong who speaks mandarin and Malaysia, many big market for me <laughs> and what's the money like okay so i don't know how to explain so that sambyakuman and per scene? Oh, ski. Ski. What's ski? Uh, ski month. Oh, month. per month. Oh, per month. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, so that would be uh, three, uh, so three million yen per month. Yeah, when I activate it. Can you translate that to American Three dollars? million yen per month. That would be like $30,000 US? Are you kidding me? Wait. Sambyaku US porn stars aren't making even close to that, are they? Tsuki. Okay, you're buying dinner next time because. <laughs> now I'm a student, so I'm not active. But so one year ago, I earn money once wow. a month. Okay, yeah. Ne next time you're buying dinner. <laughs> okay, I have a question. So I, I, I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, but I would love for you guys to give us a rundown of like all the different sex work, the entire spectrum from like host and hostess clubs mm. to mm. the swinger clubs yeah. to soap lands. Yeah. Also, yeah. I walk there. Mm. Yeah. I was soap girl also. Tell us everything. Okay. So soap lands are the closest thing to a, um, an American style brothel. Uh, fun fact, they used to be called a, a Turkish and the, I think the Turkish embassy lodged a complaint uh, that is, <laughs> it's that, called a Turko bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, Japanese pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, Turko, yeah, Turkish. And, Turkish. And so because they were offending the Turks, they had to come up with a new name. So they held a contest. And so Soapland was chosen as the new name for the, those kind of brothels. Um, but there, there's a huge range. What you just said, host and hostess clubs, I think is interesting because those aren't selling sex. They're selling intimacy or the illusion of intimacy, which actually used to be a thing in America as well. You had what was called taxi dance halls. 
in the roaring 20s where you had all the you know farm boys coming into the big cities, massive urbanization. And so you would pay women by the minute to dance the waltz with them. And it, by the minute, hence the name taxi dance halls. And That's this, so sweet and quaint. Yeah, it was, a, it was a huge thing in popular culture. Like there were hit songs on the radio, love at 10 cents a minute. and But then it just died off over time, except the only place they still exist are in Los Angeles. There are still a few. There's one that's for working class Latinos with Latina girls as the as the girls working there. There's one for visiting Korean businessmen. With, yeah, there's some in K-Town, aren't yeah. there? Yeah. But the the one that I find absolutely fascinating, um, I actually took my my wife there on one of our first dates. Uh, it's, it's set up for visiting Chinese businessmen, and the girls working there are all platinum blonde Orange County girls with no real communication or even like faking being that interested in each other. It's, I was it's just gonna like platinum blonde Russian girls. I mean, realistically, probably, but they seem like Newport girls to me. If, if you guys are from Cali. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, they, they, it was just purely like an I came, I saw, I conquered thing for the Chinese businessmen. So they just got like their arm around the blonde girl singing bad karaoke while the girl's like on her phone board and so that's Starlight, I think, in Los Angeles is the name of it. Yeah. So that culture continued here. And I think it had some uh, stronger cultural antecedents going back to geisha culture and everything like that. But based on that. Yeah. 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 Though I think one one thing that I find fascinating is that there is a this whole host culture aimed at women and it's not like Japan is the most gender egalitarian paradise or anything. So to have an entire sex or intimacy industry aimed at, at women that you, you don't see that in, in say in, you know, in San Francisco or other relatively liberal cities, I, I find that super interesting, but a, a high percentage of the host clubs clients are women who are themselves hostesses or fuzoku uh, Fuzoku is, is so sorry. Is, this is, uh, is sex one, I industry. think one reason made no making baby host because too much popular and too much handsome. Not only Fuzoku, not only sex worker, not yeah. only hosted. Normal girl also go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is I think one reason no making baby and no making um, have marriage. Yeah, host is. So young girls are like, why should I get married? I can go to the host Yeah, host is better. And get yes. everything I need, and then yeah. I don't have to marry him. Yeah, yeah. they don't need a marriage. I mean, girls thinking about that. I would compare it to almost like the Backstreet Boys model of kind of like, you know, the dude who's way cuter than the, you know, the actual acne-ridden boys in your actual school um, who could talk a good game and be charming. And so it, essentially paying to drink with that kind of ideal. It's like having a professional play your boyfriend. Yeah. So then kind you don't of, yeah. want your yeah, real because... boyfriend. It's like if you see Luke Perry, who's 35, playing a high school student, yeah. you're not want to go back to high school and date a high school but student. Professional it's a good night or two in our reference. <laughs> the very highest, yeah. yeah. That's, um, so she was saying that professional hosts can earn as much as a million dollars a month. A month. That's like the very, very high end. So there's... So that's 10,000... No, that's like a million dollars US. A million dollars US? US. Month. But that's like... Because they... The pinnacle of the industry. They don't have to use dicks, so always sharing champagne. 
That's it. They have sponsorships. They have partnerships. Like um, Roland is right now, I think, the the most famous host in Japan right now. And he looks kind of like, imagine sort of a, a very androgynous Kate Blanchett with very like sharp cheekbones. Dude, that is my type. He has a book of his sayings uh, that that went on sale recently where his, his most famous saying is, uh, there are two types of people in the world, me and all the others. And he's... Fuck yeah, Roland. Yeah, he's, right. he's his fans, they call themselves Rolanders. Um, but <laughs> I actually... Um, I actually bought Should have been Rollies. That's a Rollies. <laughs> I bought a Roland handbag that was for sale in a convenience store here recently because I just found it so mind blowing that that a handbag sponsored by the number one host was being sold in a convenience store that I, I just I had to buy it. So is a lot of their money coming from Kardashian like sponsorships yeah. like Spontan, that yeah. versus I mean, that's not their actual patrons, right? No, yeah, that's so that's the very high end because I mean, it's kind of a multi level marketing, almost a pyramid scheme kind of deal. There's sort of a financial triangle to it. Most hosts are not making that much money. Yeah. They're trying to get True. regulars. They're trying, they're trying, because when a girl comes into a host club for the first time, the intro rate is really cheap. It could be like all you can drink for like, 40, 50 bucks. But then you come back the second time, you find someone you like, and the price goes way going, up. Going up. Yeah. So, so a friend of mine using a host, then she kept money for a year for his birthday. Can you guess how much she used? How much? Okay. Um, and so that's... <laughs> wow. Okay. So that's like $60,000, I think. To Isemayan. That she got for this dude's birthday? Wait, or so. Hold on. His birthday. Yeah. Hold on. I'm just sorry. You edited this out, but mental math calculation. So, money in $100. So, 10 times 10 would be $1,000 times um, 10 would be, yeah, $10,000 times six. Oh, yeah. So, $60,000 for his birthday. That's some Cardi B shit. So she's not sex worker. Wow. She's cheating guy. Cheater. <laughs> she's cheating on her. Cheating guy. She's not normal but, sex worker. Oh. She's always pretending normal girl. Oh. Gathering, always finding a Tinder, then took her money. Oh, wait, so oh, she, so she's so a she scammer. she works guys. She does it just through like the not quote unquote normal yeah. means. She'll use Tinder or whatever, to but like she will Tinder. also get then, money from them. Yeah. Wow. No Margari from not clients. They recognize, oh, how poor girl. I can have you. I want oh, to so help she. You. I need to help. I need to help. I need it's like help. me and my boyfriend. <laughs> So, <laughs> I, I love you, I love you, I want to see you, I want to see you, I love you, I need your help, so like this. So send money, send money, send mm. money, send me money, then she kept my money to Wow, and all yes. for the host. This is real story, not wow. as a sex worker. So so the, the, the economic triangle is a lot of these hosts are paying a lot of the money they make to their bosses. And then the bosses often are blowing that money on hostesses or fuzoku, the sex sex trader, things like that. And then the money flows back from the women working 
as hostesses or sex work back to the hosts. Uh, and so so the money kind of keeps yeah, circulating that way. Triangle. But yeah, a lot of <laughs> civilians are also getting into it. Yes, psycho. <laughs> there's there's um hosts can become kind of micro celebrities, get on TV. There's now all sorts of streaming websites that if you get into host clubs as a thing, there's all this content for you to consume. Uh, so there, there's a whole like media ecosystem uh, around the hosts. And then there's also the host clubs will all own businesses that are not all, but the, the bigger host clubs will own businesses that are not host businesses, but there'll be hair salons or things like that that give the hosts a place to work and learn a skill so that then when they age out of hosting, they'll then have a marketable their, their, skill. And what clients. Is, <laughs> how old are they when they age out? Uh, because they sell alcohol, so over 20. No, wait, wait, no. In what's the oldest, uh, oldest uh, for a host? Uh, more than 50. I mean, that's rare, but yeah. Goji Sai, yeah. 50, more than Japanese 50. dudes age really well. I get it. You can keep that going for a really long time. And women are less picky we're more about the companionship so if someone's like great and they're 50 we're way more into that than i think men who are looking for companionship unless it's a fetish they're not looking to mm. boo up with the oldest hostess around you know yeah i guess there is a gender disparity there. is there a difference in the age of when you age out uh from men versus women yeah yeah yeah, like like generally speaking, from like forty onward, yeah, you're not, yeah, you're not doing anymore. Yeah, because they always be trainer over forty for new girls. You're like a house mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Over forty, so yeah, prayer is not here. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not sure their detail because they don't tell us their age, but just only seeing. You can I think tell, yeah. Around forty is. It's time to quit. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah, it's in my opinion also anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah because, because of my job. <laughs> yeah. Hey, privates. We talk to a lot of people about love and sex, and we have been hearing that it is very hard to meet sexual partners in real life, and porn doesn't really offer you that erotic intimacy that you're looking for. Which is why we're so excited to partner with MyGirlFund.com. MyGirlFund allows you to form virtual relationships with sexy, amazing women. MyGirlFund was launched in 2009, and over the years, they've formed an awesome community of sexy, friendly women to connect with. They're relatable, and they want to hang out. And look, people should be paid for their labor, right? It's very difficult for women to get paid for virtual adult work without risking personal exposure. And the danger is real. Many women are willing to dirty chat and or share nude content for money, but safe and discreet platforms are rare, which is why we love MyGirlFund.com. That's right, because MyGirlFund allows its female members to control their exposure. They connect with who they want to connect with, control how they want to interact, and decide what they want to charge for these interactions. It's safe, it's private, and it's a discreet adult community. Their focus on anonymity and privacy allows complex, intimate relationships to develop. You can join MyGirlFund.com for free. And for a limited time, you can become a lifetime premium member for less than five bucks when you visit MyGirlFund.com slash private. That means you can get discounted credits and bonus interaction features for life when you go to MyGirlFund.com slash private. So 
we were talking about how actually a significant portion of the sex industry or whatever is actually intimacy based. Yeah. So can you contextualize that a little bit? And especially with there's this circular system, it's like, what's going on? So there are a lot of things that you see in Japan where where the, the first thought is, wow, this is this uniquely Japanese thing. And of course, it is kind of unique to Japan, but there are analogies in the US, either in the past or in the present. Like, if you look at the whole culture of idols and idol groups here, you can see similarities to like Gen Z YouTube performer culture and things like that. But the big difference is what can you have as a physical business in a physical concrete space? Like uh, subcultures here, a lot of the same subcultures that you can find exploring Tokyo, you can find in the US, but they're on the internet or they're at the convention once or twice a year. And Tokyo is set up very differently than American cities. It allows for a lot of micro spaces and especially makes it fairly easy to have a space with alcohol and companionship as an option. And I think that's honestly the biggest difference is the regulation around alcohol and the regulation of space because so many things become economically viable as a business if you can sell alcohol. And getting a liquor license in the U.S. can cost tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. My boyfriend's a restaurateur. It's a nightmare. Okay, yeah. Like health and safety inspections for restaurants and bars here are once every five to seven years, I think. And the food, of course, the food is super safe. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. uh, And a liquor license is, is like nothing. It's just easy peasy to get. So you can have intimate micro spaces when the startup cost is super minimal. And combine that with the growth of these, they're called Zakyo buildings, literally multi-use buildings. The growth of these buildings in the 70s and 80s was it was a huge thing, especially because like the iconic images of Tokyo, where you see like the neon lights on the outside of the building and each floor is a different thing, or there's like five little bars on each floor even. We don't even really have a term for that in English, but when you look at it and you see like, oh my God, that's iconic Tokyo. So that's in Japanese, it's called a zakyobiru or multi-use building. And those grew up over time as they had the technology to build earthquake safe buildings at higher numbers of stories, even on relatively narrow plots of land. And so then if liquor licenses are cheap, you subdivide up one of those and bam, you can have up to 40 bars in a single building selling different forms of intimacy, essentially. Um, I wanted to ask about S&M clubs. Yeah. Just can you tell me? I was... You were, uh, yeah. you were a sub as an as for work. Yeah. Yeah, as for as for work. So what does that entail? Uh bondage with drop. Like Shibari? Kimbaku? Kimbaku. Yeah. It's yeah, called so. a kimbaku in Japanese. Bondage with drop and from hanging. Hanging. Yeah. So I'm very flexible, you see. Oh yes, you are! <laughs> wow, okay. her head. Her, so they want to practice, like just one behind her. So ear. they want the, my clients practicing how to do that to more beer. How does? Go shizin sama te gude nante you know? 
<laughs> like that. But my boyfriend never after kissing, after swallowing dame. <laughs> so they want to talk more sex. So this is one tool, good one, good tool. Yeah. Happening for is good for not only just only swinging couples and also just only gang gangbang. So this is good place to sharing yeah. their own fetish. Yeah, so you yeah. don't have to like have LGBT sex with anybody. Also. You can just be there with your partner and be like, "Oh man, isn't it hot?" When we are both watching this one thing that we're into. But you don't like even have to be cool. into it for, as a, like a couple voyeur thing. You can just show up with your friends and drink at the bar. So they all have yeah, expensive right. membership fees, but That's fairly so cheap entry fees. So. Somebody was just telling us that you have to participate, or they don't want you there. That was the person telling you that Japanese or foreign. Foreign, but they also weren't saying you have to. But they were like, "Well, you're really encouraged." Uh, that was a I, I would say that's not really the case normally. Like, it's if anything, it's kind of amazing what a, like a small percentage of the people going are participating on any given, like actually having sex on any given uh, day. It 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 just totally depends on the. あ、いせきやとまちよってんじゃないうん。あいせきやさんとその外国の人。いや、that's that's kind of a, a different category of, of sex work. It's kind of mm. more amateur and, would you say? Amateur? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yesterday, this guy we talked to is 46 and he's married to a 23-year-old Japanese girl. He's a white guy that moved here because he, quote unquote, fell in love with the culture. He was here for less than one day when he had decided that. And I was wondering... When men like that say that they fell in love with the culture, do you think that it's their view of the culture or it's actually the culture? I think actually. Yeah? Really? I, I, I would... 23, right? No, 23? no. He was, she was saying like... The, He's 46. Like, But girl is 23, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. The, this is normal, I think. No, it, the, but it, the question is, does the the foreign guy... Yeah, when he, when he says he's been here one day and he says, uh, just, I'm falling in love with Japanese culture, uh, very is it just like a dasai image? Like, uh, yeah. But no, dasai image, uh, actually. Yeah. You, you think? Yeah. Oh, you, so, I don't think. You yeah. think it's sincere? Yeah, sincere, okay. uh, actually. But this is my, in my okay. opinion. And also my age, like white guy, and also my age, always idol is American, like a high school musical, Zac Efron, <laughs> and also, I like, so my name is, Tokyo Hentai Club's name is Vivi. Vivi is from the Pretty Uber. Pretty Woman. Pretty uh, Uber. Mm. So I'm also looking for Richard Gere. Ah. So you know, Richard Gere, is he young? No, you know. So you're saying this goes both ways. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's also There's, her. Oh, so totally. I'm always looking for my, my Richard Gere, always. I'm 25 right now, so this is for yeah, me. Yeah, so th there's, there, there's a so segment saying... of both sides that are kind of interested in the idea of the of the other. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I look at that, you know, 46-year-old dude and I'm just thinking like, 
who is he and how can I avoid him? Because that that sounds like Orientalist horseshit. But like, there is a segment of of you know women in Japan who are that's what they're looking for. And I guess if they find each other, then Mazel Tov. But it strikes me as people come to Japan with a certain, oftentimes with a certain image in their head, especially when it comes to sex and technology. Like like we foreigners tend to associate Japan with weird sex and weird technology, uh, which is what I find really interesting about the robot restaurant, that uh, tourist trap that like everyone who comes to Japan has like Googled the robot restaurant. And it's basically like medieval times back in the States. Like it's a, it's a dinner show uh, aimed at foreigners. But what it's, it's designed to do is uh, it's, it pinpoints on exactly the kind of intersection of foreign imagination about weird sex and weird technology in Japan and then makes it you know just titillating enough with girls in bikinis that to draw in an audience but not so extreme that you can't you know bring mom and the kids and they've cleaned up by selling of the the foreign image of Japan back to foreigners when they come here so That's yeah so interesting yeah. i also want to state this Japanese women often seek paternity, not just youth and pleasure. So, okay, that's fascinating. And I think it applies to maybe both genders. We were speaking to a man who is essentially gay, but doesn't maybe necessarily use those labels. Mm -hmm. And he said that he... Yeah, that men, men also, men also sometimes they're not even gay. They're just seeking a father so figure. Seeking further, yes. Mm. My gay friend, same statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Come on, come on, thinking. Wait, so Yuki, I'm wondering what you think on this. Would you, do you think that's connected to sort of the culture of like uh, senpai kohai? Like ah uh, yeah, more more not senpai kohai. No, okay. define that. Further. Define that. They. They find they want to find real, real further, more real. But he was saying that it's because fathers are absentee so often here. Do you think that tracks? Like, be, like, like the idea being that maybe the reason. Ah, no, 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 no. Many girls who are the further always looking for real further. Also, even even if after even good. Good okay. for they have a good further, a strong further, a rich further, but always looking for real further. So does it matter they what kind of father they have? Idol, they have an idol, Sam. So no matter what kind of father they have, they're always looking for the ideal father. Uh, it depends on I think that's okay. what you're thinking. Yeah. So that's maybe the idealization of an older white man because one Ma- it's different it's me, and it's two it's old. No, so no. white uh, white man just only more. Kanyona, generous, mm. generous guy. Just a daddy. Daddy, more daddy and kind and more, yeah, kind, yeah. Mm. But my friend is white guy, over 40, over everything is white hair because more more than 50 is okay. Many, many detail, I, my friend. <laughs> requirements, <laughs> requirements. But me, I have... Range is very big, <laughs> huge. <laughs> so you have a lot of years until you hit forty, right? You're twenty five now. Yeah, now twenty five. So you've got 
15 years, but do you think about what's your next chapter after? And you're multi-hyphenate, so yeah, it's not like I, that's the only thing that you have yeah, going I on. I kept a money, so almost I, I quit my job right now. So I'm I'm preparing for casino. That's right. Yeah, Japan will be open officially 2024. Four. Yeah, 2024 yeah, casinos open, will be coming. Yeah, open, so... I'm practicing always. I'm, I'm right now a student, so studying about a during card of casino. Beautiful. So you're just going to be taking men's money your whole life, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Excellent. Oh my God, you guys, this is just a little taste of what we have in store for you with the rest of this Tokyo series. Are you excited? I am excited. And I was there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we lived it. I'm ready to go back, honestly. but I'm so ready to go back. And I'm also excited to post a picture of uh, Yuki's business card. Oh, yeah. For the whole series, you guys, be peeping our Instagram because we are going to be posting the mother load of photos that we took there. We even were able to shoot some videos. So we'll try to share as much of that as we can with you guys, too. Gosh, I'm excited for episode two. Who's up next? So we had the honor and privilege of speaking to Chris Wells, who not only is a friend of our friend, Sarah Dorfman, who's a comedian in L.A., holler. Sarah, your connections were amazing. So good. Thank you. But also, he is the voice of one of the major train lines in Tokyo. So when you go to Tokyo and you take uh, the train, you will be listening to Chris's dulcet tones. We had already heard him before we even talked to him, and we didn't even know it. (laughs) So... You guys, there's so much to look forward to with the rest of our Japan series. We are going to bring you these apps as fast as we possibly can because we want to keep you company during the quarantine. Hey, Sophia, what's that bomb-ass music? I'm so glad you asked. This music is by our awesome friend, Amy Roche. You should check her music out on Spotify, especially now that we all have a lot of time to listen. Her last name is spelled R-A-A-S-C-H. This episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda from Plastic Audio. We, we love, love you, you Mike. Mike. That was a remix. And before we go, I'm so excited because we have a new review of the week. Dun, da, da, dun. So we begged for reviews and a couple people gave them to us. So shout out to, let's start with Cradrian. A very sweet person that we know named Adrian Earhart left us a review and it says, brilliant and hilarious. Gosh, these girls are so funny, it hurts. So honest and authentic. I feel horny and happy every time I listen. And the research they do is legit. They are professionals. I am a fan for life. Ah, Adrian, I'm a fan of yours for life. Adrian, we love you. You guys, if you want us to be a fan of yours for life, all you have to do is write a freaking review. So head on over to iTunes, smash down those five stars. I know you got nothing else to do right now except rate these girls for our hard work. Maybe we'll give you a happy ending. Who knows? Wink. (laughs) See you guys next week. Bye. Bye.